Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to our next lesson in our Old Testament Bible History Learning Series. This is Lesson 14 on the Two Sons of Abraham. You can follow along in your Bible in Genesis 16, 17, and Chapter 18, the first part. First, I have a question for you, and that is, do you enjoy waiting? Do you enjoy waiting for things? You see, we are often used to getting things so quickly. We're used to our high-speed internet. We're used to fast food, and we're used to instant race. In fact, there are probably some people who pray for patience and want it right away. Here, Abraham and Sarai are being told to be patient. They had to wait 25 years for the fulfillment of this promise. So let's keep that in mind as we look at this story about Sarah's plan, Hagar's pain, and Abram's promise. Try to keep in mind this idea of patience and how they either showed patience or showed a lack of patience. So as we join our story, I imagine that Sarah is on her knees praying to God. She's been praying for years, and the Lord has kept her back from receiving a child. And she has heard from Abram about this promise. And she's been praying for a child so that this promise can come true. But she looks at herself and she's 75 years old. She's too old to receive a child. And so one day when she gets up from praying, she, she sees Hagar. Now, who is Hagar? Hagar is her slave. Hagar is an Egyptian woman who came along with Sarai and Abram on their return from Egypt. And so Sarai sees Hagar and comes up with a plan to kind of help God along. Sarai goes to Abram and says, I have a plan, Abram, a plan for us to receive a child. Why don't you get married to Hagar and then try to build a family with her? When Hagar has a child, I will adopt that child as my own, and then we will have a child. Now, this idea of adopting a slave child as your own might have been the custom at that time, but it was not honoring to God. You see, Abram and Sarai were married. They were one flesh. 
Abram was not allowed to marry someone else. And so there we are. We see Abram listening to Sarai. And maybe because the suggestion is from his wife, he thinks it's a good idea. He's the leader, though, of this family. And he should say, Sarai, this is, this is wicked. We cannot do this. We've fallen into sin before in the nation of Egypt when we lied about our relationship. We cannot do this again. We cannot sin against God. Come, together let's bow our knees and ask for faith, to be patient, to trust God. But this is not what Abram does. He agrees to the plan. And within time, Hagar now is expecting a child. Abram has been unfaithful to Sarai because he is married to another woman. And Abram has been unfaithful to God because he no longer trusts the promise God has made to him. Now let's look at this story through the eyes of Hagar and the pain she experienced. Hagar is expecting a child and Sarai soon realizes that as well. Hagar is filled with pride and she begins to despise Sarai. She begins to be very proud that she is expecting a child with Abraham and Sarai is not. She feels that Abraham loves her more. And so she begins to be rude to Sarai and to not listen to her. There's conflict in the tent now. There's arguing between Sarai and Abram, and there is jealousy. It's difficult to live there. Abram needs to show leadership here, but he doesn't. Sarai goes to him and he tells Sarai, she is your maid, Hagar is your maid, you do with her what you want. And so now Sarai begins to be very harsh in her treatment of Hagar. It becomes so bad that Hagar and suffers so much that Hagar runs away. And she flees on her way back to Egypt. And the angel of the Lord meets her along the way and asks her some questions. Now the angel of the Lord actually is God himself. And he says to Hagar, where are you coming from? Where are you going? You shouldn't be running away from Sarah. You need to return to her and to obey her. And now he tells her, as she knows, that she's expecting a son. But he tells her, you have to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, because God has heard her cry. And so Hagar returns to the tent of Abram and Sarai. Hagar returns to that tent with the promise that her son Ishmael will also be the father of a great nation. And she also learns that he will be a wild man. She names that well where she had stopped and where the angel of the Lord met her. She names that well Beer Leheroi, for there God sees. And so Hagar returns, having met with a God who hears and a God who sees. Soon Ishmael is born, and for the next 13 years, Abraham takes Ishmael and teaches him about caring for the flocks and the herds. He goes on journeys with Ishmael, and Ishmael enjoys this as well. Ishmael sees all these riches that Abraham has and knows that as the only son, he is going to inherit this when elderly Abraham dies. 
And so we now move in this story to the eyes of Abram and how he experienced this story and how he received a promise from the Lord. One day, the Lord appears to Abram. The Lord says, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. So the word walk here, to walk before God, means all of Abram's behavior in his life. Abram's behavior in his life needs to be perfect, blameless. He, everything he needs to do needs to be to the honor and glory of God. There are some more details that are filled in here as well for the covenant. But Abram's response we can see in verse 3. He fell on his face, which means he responded to God's grace with humble worship. Abram and Sarah are promised that they will receive a son. And this son will be the far-off grandfather of the Messiah, the Savior. Abram's name is changed to Abraham, and Sarah's name is changed to Sarah. He is told to name his son Isaac, which means laughter. Isaac will be the covenant child. He will be the child that receives the covenant blessings. Ishmael will not be that child. Abram means exalted father. He received a new name, Abraham, which means father of a multitude or a great crowd of people. So we learn that all the faithful of all nations around the world who have faith in God's promise will look to Abraham as their father. Kings of nations will come out of Isaac and ultimately Christ will be born from his far-off grandson. I can learn a few more details if I read in Romans 4 verse 11 as well because there are some additional details that are given to Abraham here that he is called to actually uh, that are that he is called to perform on his family. So let's read in Romans 4 verse 11 together. And he Abraham received the sign of circumcision which is a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. So we learn here that God gave instructions to Abraham to circumcise himself and his family. And this circumcision sign was going to be a seal of the righteousness that Abraham had already for many years. So we need to understand that circumcision was a special sign, but only a sign. Abraham hears from God these instructions, and he also hears that God will not only be a God to him, but a God to his seed as well. And so that means all of his family are to be circumcised, and then every boy born into that family will be circumcised on the eighth day. Circumcision is a physical ceremony where the foreskin of a man or a boy would be removed by cutting. 
Abram's response here is one of humility and reverence. We read that he fell on his face. He was bowing and kneeling in worship to God. He also laughed with great joy and great delight at at the future promise here that seemed so impossible, but that he knew would happen. In Romans 4 verse 20, we can read that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but rather was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham gets up and he returns to his camp and he tells the people of the camp of this wonderful thing that has just happened. His name is changed. Don't call me Abram, call me Abraham. Don't call my wife Sarah, call her Sarah. And then he explains about the circumcision. And in the same day, all the men and the boys of his household are circumcised. Within time, some visitors come to Abram's camp. These are three special heavenly visitors. And these three visitors, Abraham knows they are special. He must know somehow that they are from heaven. But it soon becomes clear in the conversation that they know everything about Abraham and Sarah. And they promise Abraham and Sarah then that they will soon receive a son. And Sarah hears this from another part of the tent and she laughs in unbelief and doubt. She doesn't believe that's possible. And she's questioned about this and she denies it and says, I didn't laugh. And there we read in the Bible that the Lord actually tells her, the Lord himself actually tells her, but you did laugh. And he corrects her and he says, is anything too hard for the Lord to do? Surely Sarah was sorry for this sin of unbelief and doubting. We know she was because in Hebrews 11, Verse 11, we read that Sarah received strength to conceive. She believed in God. She believed that God was faithful to the promise. So Sarah also received faith and she conceived in faith. And soon, indeed, Isaac is born. And on the eighth day, according to this covenant, he was circumcised. So let's try to make some connections here between this story and how it applies to us today and how we can understand about salvation and God's plan of redemption. Maybe you already have the question, why did God need to, or why was God pleased to wait or make them wait for 25 years? What is the involvement of Hagar and Ishmael? Why is that part of the story necessary? Well, we can learn from all of these events. And before we look at the involvement of Hagar, we're going to first try to understand what this circumcision sign meant. And you already know that Abram was commanded to circumcise his entire family, the men and the boys in his household. And so that is a physical ceremony of cutting off the foreskin. In Isaiah 52 verse 1, we can understand that circumcision is a symbol of purity or cleanness. And so that means that circumcision was a physical sign 
that made them a member of the nation of Israel and also marked their membership in this covenant that God made with Abraham and his seed. So circumcision is a sign of our membership or their membership in the nation of Israel and it was a mark of their membership in the covenant that God made with Abram and with his seed. But there's more to this because in Acts 7 verse 51, there we read about some people who are referred to as uncircumcised in heart and ears. How is it possible to be uncircumcised in your heart or your ears? Well, this is not that difficult to understand because we know that circumcision points to a symbol of purity. So recall this. Circumcision points to the need for our heart to be purified and for our heart to be cleansed. Circumcision was a mark of their membership in the covenant. Now, if you were a member of that covenant, you were in a relationship with God. So circumcision marked your relationship. And this points at a deeper level. And that means that if they were to be in a restored and a right relationship with God, that means if they were to be converted, if they were to have a new heart, then circumcision pointed to the need for their hearts to be pure, for their hearts to be clean. So circumcision points to the need for our hearts to be purified, to be cleansed by an inward operation of the Holy Ghost. In summary, we can say that circumcision pointed to the need for conversion. Circumcision of the flesh made them a member of a nation, but circumcision of the heart, purification of the heart, made them a member of God's church. On your own, I suggest you read Romans 2, verse 28 and 29. There you can see the same truth explained again. So hopefully at the end of this, we see that Circumcision was a physical ceremony with a spiritual meaning. Let's turn our attention now to the involvement of Hagar and Ishmael. In order to understand their participation in this story, we need to zoom ahead to the New Testament, where Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 4. And he tells us that Hagar and Ishmael's involvement is there on purpose to teach us a very basic truth about Christianity. Let's look at it slowly. You know that Ishmael was the son of Hagar, and Hagar was a slave. You know that Isaac was the son of Sarah, and Sarah was a free woman. So we have Ishmael, the son of a slave. Ishmael 
is an example of Abraham and Sarah trusting themselves, trusting their own plans. Ishmael is an example of a lack of trust in God's promise. Ishmael is an example of a lack of faith in God's promise. But over here, we have Isaac as a son of Sarah, Sarah being a free woman. And we know that Isaac was born as a result of Abraham and Sarah not trusting themselves, but trusting God instead. And so Ishmael represents salvation by works, by our own effort. And Isaac represents salvation by faith, by us doing nothing. In conclusion, we've looked at this story through Sarah's plan, Hagar's pain, and Abram's promise. We've looked at circumcision that ultimately points to our need for a new heart, for conversion, to be pure before God. And we've looked at faith being by grace alone and not by works. In our next lesson, we're going to visit Lot where he's living in Sodom and to see that the many choices he made brought some very sad consequences upon him. <laughs>